0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1246 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the podcast, I'm making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is just me talking about all kinds of different things. Honestly, kind of a jam-packed show out of nowhere. Might be a little bit shorter than usual, but still, uh, you know, three four topics to get to. I knew the All NBA was coming down, which I will talk about here in a second, about Trey Young and the impact of him making All NBA. Congratulations to Trey Young for doing that. And also, we got a column from Jake Fisher, an insider at Bleacher Report, about some Hawks related stuff that I'll tackle later on in the episode. I do want to plug a few things. I've been very busy on the podcast recently. Uh, Glenn Willis has joined me. Robbie Callen joined me last night. We had Andrew Kelly for a two-part episode earlier uh, last week. Uh, Glenn, a few, few different times. Uh, wall-to-wall coverage. I've actually already recorded a few more episodes. I actually have to travel a lot the next two weeks. I'm trying to bank some stuff that will hold. I'll be talking to Glenn a couple more times minimum. I'll also record with Kevin Shenard of Hawks.com on a podcast that's going to be airing at some point in the near future. Some draft stuff that I will hold it, hold on and telling you just yet about. But, Plenty of coverage coming and uh, please subscribe to the podcast with all that out of the way. The headliner of the evening is Trey Young making on BA. Not a huge surprise. In fact, I would have bet on him making it at, at some point, although it was uh, definitely more comfortable in the end in a margin than I probably would have guessed. But as I've said a number of times on this show, if you're a new listener, you might not not know this, but I've been saying for months at this point that Trey should make All-NBA. He had an All-NBA resume that was as clear as day to me. I thought that he was in some level of trouble when it comes to making All-NBA until like the middle of March when the Hawks closed well. He closed well, had the numbers and all of that stuff. He definitely earned it. Uh, He did finish sixth among guards, but that's all he had to do. Just for if you missed this, basically, Trey gets a contract. by making All-NBA. It did not matter. First team, second team, third team. I'm sure he would have have preferred to be first or second team, but third team pays the same as uh, second team or first team. And uh, he finished six of six, but it was pretty comfortable by that point. Um, As far as the first team was concerned, Giannis was the only guy that was actually unanimous. Uh, Jokic was not unanimous because of the uh, center thing with him and Joel Embiid. I will not go through through the entire ballots uh, because it's sort of a Hawks-only podcast in a lot of ways, but on the guard line, it was in order. Luka Doncic first, then Devin Booker, John Morant, Steph Curry, Chris Paul was fifth, and it was pretty close between Chris Paul and Trey Young, and then Trey was of course sixth. So in theory, if I just tell you that, it might have seemed pretty close to Trey not making it. But a step further, actually wasn't close at all. Uh, Trey got 11 second team votes, no first team votes, but 11 second team votes and 77. Third team vote, so he was on 88 of the 100 ballots. Uh, that in itself pretty much guaranteed him being on, no matter what happened. But uh, the next closest guard, the guy who finished seventh among guards, was Donovan Mitchell, who was on four ballots. <laughs> so Trey was on 88 ballots. Donovan Mitchell was on four ballots. That tells you the difference there. Uh, a comfortable, although you know six of six is one thing, but he was it was definitely comfortable. No real threat to Trey not making it. And again, personally. I would have had him second team, to be honest. I would have had him in that three or four range. Um, I know I was pretty probably higher on him than most uh, throughout the course of the season, but I thought Trey had a fantastic year. Um, if you missed it in the past or just had, sort of want a refresher uh, about Trey's season, I won't spend too much time on this, but it's worth just kind of noting all the things that he did this year. He becomes, by the way, the eighth player, in Hawks history to make an all NBA team in his first four seasons and 13th guy overall in Hawks history to make it. Um, the headliner was of course that he led the, and the entire NBA in total points, total assists this year. The second player in NBA history to do that behind only tiny Archibald in 72, 73. Um, he has all kinds of franchise marks um, from this season. And he was just fantastic all the way through uh, 42 double doubles of points and assists that led the entire NBA this year as well. He was conference player of the week, all that fun stuff. We'll have a full player capsule on him. I know I've been doing those uh, with Glenn Willis recently, but I'll have a full breakdown of Trey for like probably 30 plus minutes in the future. But in terms of uh, his his season career high and assists this year, 9.7 per game, career highs in field goal percentage and two point percentage, three point percentage, free throw percentage, true shooting percentage, effective field goal percentage, all the shooting categories. He was number one in his career so far. It's been a heck of a career so far also for Trey. And again, led the league in total assists and total points. Also led the league in assist rate. He was in the top two or three in assists per game, top 10 in points per game. Uh, Also an extremely durable player. And for me, I do value that in terms of the overall value of what a season looks like. He was number eight in the entire NBA this year in total minutes played. So that tells you uh, he was out there all the time. The Hawks obviously had kind of a rough year, but they were still pretty good when he played. Obviously the offense was awesome when he played this year. He was the catalyst for all of that. And if you want to go a step further to the advanced metrics, Multiple of the ones that are more trustworthy for me, like EPM and Raptor, had Trey as the second best offensive player in the league this season, behind only Jokic, who won the MVP award. Even if you don't think that's necessarily the case, I think for me, he was comfortably a top five or six offensive player in the entire NBA this year. Obviously, the defense is what it is, but he was still a top 12 player in the league, in co- according to both EPM and Raptor, in overall value. That includes the defense and the negative there. So, um, obviously it's a top 15 kind of award and the guard line at the end was not terribly uh, exciting um, along the way there. I think, I, I think he probably should have played uh, should have been ahead of Chris Paul, to be frank, but clearly Trey earned it. He had a fantastic season. And with that, there is one sort of fallout. I sort of referenced it earlier, but there is some salary cap impact. If you missed it earlier in the offseason, I did a pretty extensive like 15 minute breakdown of these, of the Hawks cap. I will not do that again today, but basically a lot of things change for the Hawks in terms of what they owe on the cap now because Trey did this. Uh, at the end of March, the NBA released an updated salary cap projection for next season of $122 million. Uh, and by the way, that also includes a, a, larger, a larger tax line in the, in the, in the high 140s. Um, if that holds, and I think it probably will at this point in time, Trey is going to make about $6.1 million more next season because he made all, all NBA. That's just in one season. And from this point forward, if that projection holds, he'll make $36.6 million next year, then $39.5 million, $42.4 million, then $45.4 million in year four. And it's a player option at the end of the contract in year five. But it's about an $8 million difference for year five between what he was going to make and what he's going to make now if he chooses to exercise that player option. Um, and it's about $48.3 million in year five. The total value gap. That Trey made in just in just tonight, basically, uh, even if we, were, if we were sort of projecting it along the way, he's going to make a thirty five point four uh, million dollars more over the next five seasons because he made all Mia versus him not making all Mia So it's a huge, huge factor for him. Obviously, a great night for Trey and uh, Trey's family and Trey's agent and everybody else that's involved. Um, but obviously, uh, there's some impact for the Hawks as well. Uh, it definitely does not make life e- easier for the Hawks. Uh, I've talked about this before, but uh, it's kind of a weird situation where the Hawks actually benefit if he doesn't make it. Although they ha- they can't possibly say that on the record. But um, you know, over the life of a five year deal, it's, it goes from five years and one hundred seventy six million uh, to about five years and two hundred and twelve million dollars. That's a huge difference. And for next year, with salary cap and luxury tax concerns, uh, Bobby Marks had it now. If they were to keep Gallo right now with and do nothing else, they would be like eight. Million over the tax line already with no delon or any of that stuff. I recommend listening to that podcast that I did earlier in the off season for more detailed breakdown. But basically, this adds six million dollars or so to next year's bill, and uh, it will be very interesting to see how Tony Wrestler handles all of that because uh, clearly it's going to be not going anywhere on that. But if that makes the Hawks trim elsewhere because Tony has some uh, some financial constraints, it can have an impact. So all that said. Congrats to Trey. It's going to be interesting to see how the Hawks navigate all of the stuff financially in the future with the tax line uh, for this year and beyond. But he'll be making a lot more money in the, in the future. Obviously, he was not hurting in the first place, but certainly a big night at the for Trey. In fact, he was the only player this year that actually had uh, that bump. Uh, a couple other guys that were eligible for it, but didn't really got nowhere close. So coming into the night is basically in the entire league, the will they or won't they was just Trey, and uh, he ended up making it. And there you go on that, a lot more money coming his way in the near future. Okay, with all of that out of the way, we'll have more on uh, the kind of a weird day and kind of a kind of a busy day unexpectedly for the Hawks because of the piece from Jake Fisher, a Bleacher Report. I'm going to take you through all of that with my reaction sort of uh, interpretation of what was written by Jake, who is a very smart person by the way. I'll get to all of that in a second, but first, worked worth more sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, and I love brownies. You know what I love more, though? Brownie batter. Sometimes I actually eat half the batter while I'm just making the brownies, and imagine if you could look that brownie, brownie spatula clean and get actually some value protein in the process. If that's something you thought about before, and I definitely have, you're actually in luck because Built has a new creation that's it's actually better than ever. It's the Brownie Batter Puff. You heard me right. This puff bar takes protein to a new level, and they have... All kinds of availability right now at Built.com. You haven't tried the Puffs yet? I'm not really sure what you're waiting on at this point. I've been telling you about them for a while, but 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 7 grams of sugar in brownie, butter, brownie batter Puffs, and they're perfect pick-me-up for each and every day. All Built Puffs have 100% real chocolate on the outside. That means with Built, you're going to actually eat healthy and enjoy doing it at the same time. They're also made with collagen protein, which your body can absorb more efficiently, and they have tons of health benefits along the way. Brownie batter Puffs will have you clearly for making what you're actually eating a protein bar. This even tastes like a pretty bar. It's actually like, like a candy bar, but it's actually healthy in the process. No need to pitch yourself. It's actually real life. Built.com has all of what you need right now for brownie batter pups and more. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 when you get there. If you do that, 50% off on your order with Built Bar. That is promo code LOCK15, 15% off at Built.com. All right, so we'll dive in now to the non tray portion of the podcast. And again, sort of unplanned here. I was going to do the tray stuff regardless of what happened on Tuesday. uh, Will he or won't he? But the rest of this was kind of newsy from Tuesday morning. I got a lot of questions. I'm not going to answer questions um, in mailbag style, but uh, just say I'm going to answer them in the course, at least a lot of the ones that I got today, over the course of the next two segments. So just keep that in mind. But there was an intriguing sort of intel piece from Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report on Tuesday. Jake is very plugged in. He's actually been in front of a lot of stuff in the last couple of years. So this is a real guy uh, with real reporting. This is not, obviously he's not quite as as entrenched as Woj and Shams, but he's been breaking a lot of stuff for a while and Jake is very smart. Keep that in mind as well. Um, a lot going in that piece that was not Hawks related. So some of it is, and we'll go over that now. Um, I'm going to kind of give you the, what was written by Jake and sort of interpret it for you on some level. And again, I, I'm sort of reading between the lines. I'm not, I'm not talking to Jake about this right now. I'd love to though. So Jake, come on the podcast. Um, But the first thing I'll start with is that he wrote the following. He said, there are three teams most often linked by league personnel to DeAndre Ayton as a potential suitor on the open market. And those teams are the Hawks, the Pistons, and the Portland Trailblazers. This is very interesting, although I would point out for the first of many times on this podcast today that Jake is not reporting interest from the Hawks. He is saying, again, read that again. uh, He's relaying the fact that league personnel, quote unquote, um, are linking Aiden to it as a potential suitor by the Hawks. So like, there's a lot of hedging there. That's a meaningful difference. Uh, if you read the piece, there's times where he is setting direct sources in the piece about other things. Uh, and there are times where he's kind of speaking more broadly about league sources or rival executives or league personnel. Those are different um, kind of things. I know I'm sort of a media nerd in some respects, but that is definitely worth pointing out. But anyway, the Hawks linked there to DeAndre Aiden uh, by Jake. Then he writes... If the Suns were to let Deandre Ayton walk, by the way, he's a, he's a free agent. This offseason, he's restricted though. Uh, league officials expect Phoenix to try and engineer a sign and trade for some front court help. Uh, he did. He did say that would, that would require some tiki, tr- some tricky cap calculations. Um, this is me now. But one of the reasons why the Hawks make some sense as a potential partner for DeAndre Ayton beyond the fact that he's a good young player is that the Hawks can send back an above-average you know, quality starting center in Clint Capella, and obviously the Suns are in win-now mode with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So that makes a lot of sense. It is worth noting that Ayton still has to choose Atlanta, and that that's a key thing for any sign-in trade is that the player has a lot of agency in that, and then you need the Hawks to want to sign him, and you need the team, in this case the Suns, to cooperate and find a deal. Um, I did have an extensive conversation about DeAndre Ayton, along with other guys, uh, with Andrew Kelly earlier uh, earlier this month on this same pe- on this, on the same feed as a two part podcast. I'm not going to do the entire thing here, but I definitely re- recommend listening to sort of the fake trade extra- extravaganza there with myself and Andrew. We, we do a lot on Aiden on that podcast, but my my shorter condensed thoughts are basically. Aiton, for me, is not quite a star, but certainly a very good like kind of fringy star, like a top 50-ish guy in the league right now. More than a top 25 guy. He's not quite on that level just yet, but obviously a former number one overall pick. A 23-year-old, very, very talented player. It's been a very good sort of a two-way guy also for Phoenix. Um, I said this on, on the show with Andrew, but I want to say it one more time. I'm not sure the gap right now today between Capella and Aiton is as big as people might think that it is. I think Aiton is a better player, but not by a just a gigantic margin. Now, on offense, Aiton is a lot better than Capella. So don't, don't get me wrong. He is a lot better, a lot more skilled, obviously. But Capella is an elite rebounder, uh, maybe the best in the league. And for me, Capella right now today is a better defender than Aiton is. Now, a year from now, two years from now, that might not be the case. One of the things about trading for Aiton, if you want to go do that, is that he is very young. He's the same age as Trey, same draft class, of course. Etc. So keep that all in mind. That's, that's one of the reasons it's, it's to be future facing. And uh, so don't get, I'm not, I'm not saying anything different. I think long-term clearly Aiton is a better asset, better contract, better player in the future than Capella is. So don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm talking about just right now today, but, and also if you're trading for DeAndre Aiton, this is not, this is not like a scientific thing, but if you're going to do that, I think you kind of have to move a Congo as well uh, because, you know, Aiton is older than a Kongwu, but if you're going to invest what it takes is, which is going to be a max contract, you would imagine for Dion Raiden plus sign and trade assets um, to have a Kongwu still on the team. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me as a backup center. Obviously he would help you, but in terms of just asset management, you probably want to move on from him as well. So lots of moving parts. If you were to do that, there is a price for me that and where it would make sense to go out and get Aiden. I'm not saying otherwise because he is a pretty intriguing player, but certainly, uh, It would not be my priority necessarily. I think center is not really a huge concern for me if I am the Hawks at this moment in time. Aiden is a good player. He would fit well with Trey. Um, I think that um, obviously there's some background stuff in in that piece from Jake, even about Phoenix and how that's all being handled. But uh, it's on my radar for sure. And I definitely recommend listening to that podcast um, that I talked about with Andrew for even more on that subject. Elsewhere though, from Jake, in the piece that he wrote on Tuesday, He wrote a whole section in the piece about the Hawks in particular. I'm going to read some stuff here that he wrote and sort of interpret it again. Uh, One thing he wrote is that the Hawks are expected to be one of the more active teams this summer. Then he also wrote that behind the scenes, league insiders, again, league insiders, there's that term again, consistently mention Atlanta as a team willing to make wholesale changes. That's interesting. And then lastly, in this section, he wrote that rival executives view all Hawks players aside from Trae Young as eligible to, to be traded, basically. And again, one more time now. Uh, Fisher is relaying things that he's hearing from league sources and league personnel, and that's not him reporting. Any of those three statements, by the way, that I that I just read off to you are not him reporting. That is him relaying other stuff that is out there. That still it still matters. I just want to put that out. But it's not it's not quite the same thing as saying like him putting his name on it. Um, we have been talking for a while though, as uh, as to the fact that the, you know the trade being the only guy who's untouchable thing is not even repl- anymore, anything approaching. I sort of got framed as being new today. I've said that a number of times on the show in the last couple of months, and even before that, uh, I know Chris Kirsten wrote it as well this week. Like that's not a secret. I think Trey is the only guy who is even remotely untouchable on this roster. Everybody else is very available. There are different layers of availability to be sure. Uh, but you know, that's not huge breaking news by any means. If you're listening to this podcast or anything else, but it is interesting to read my, for me, one of the more interesting things in the entire piece is the fact that the Hawks are seen as a team that is quote, willing to make wholesale changes end quote. Now, I have said this a few times already, but in listening to the public comments from Tony Ressler and Travis Schlank in particular, and what I'm also hearing individually, the patience level at the top of the ownership or front office structure is not super high right now. They want results, and that that actually might mean big changes, but big changes are often – more difficult than people might believe that they are. So generally speaking, you're smart if you want to play the odds to default to teams not making big changes because they're just kind of hard to do. The Hawks certainly can do that, and it would not surprise me at all, but uh, wholesale changes is a lot. Obviously, trade's not going anywhere, but everybody else could be available on some level. Um, There was one more thing from Aiton being a popular rumored target um, uh, for Schlank's front office, but uh, here's one more thing that uh, Jake wrote, quote now, multiple league sources with knowledge of the Hawks thinking have also pointed to various wing scores as Atlanta's prioritized end game, end quote. Now that is quite interesting. And it also tracks with my own thinking and what we've been talking about on the podcast for a while. Um, there are gaps on how good you might think DeAndre Ayton is and how much of an upgrade that he would be at center. But generally speaking, he would be an upgrade. But again, center is not really the concern uh, broadly speaking. Um, I think pr- prioritizing the perimeter, both offense and defense actually Makes a lot more sense in a vacuum. Now, this is the NBA; so it's not a vacuum. Like potentially, the best guy they can trade for is John Rayton. That's definitely on the table as a possibility. So it's not it's not necessarily a linear thing where like you're choosing between Aiton and, as we'll talk about in a second, Zach Levine. Like those guys are available. I'd rather trade for Levine probably just because of the fit and all that stuff. But it is an interesting situation because uh, clearly Jake's. Uh, by the way, as a medianer one more time, this is the strongest bit of wording from Jake in the entire thing about the Hawks is the fact that he cites. Multiple league sources with knowledge of the Hawks' thinking. That's not the same thing as league sources or like, you know, rival executives or whatever. That's some more direct reporting. So, uh, interesting stuff there. Not hugely shocking, but still notable. And also, last thing on this segment, Jake reported that at this juncture, Bradley Beale and Donovan Mitchell are both, quote, expected to remain committed to Washington and Utah. End "Quote, but if any trade request did arrive for either one of them, the Hawks quote could create as, as strong an offer as any suitor." End quote. So that's not even like relaying the Hawks are interested. It's just that they couldn't that they couldn't make an offer. I did talk about Mitchell a lot with Andrew on that podcast, and Beal has been a topic a lot of times in the last couple of years on this show. But basically, those two guys are in the category where they, they're they going to have to ask out to be traded in all likelihood. So unless they do that, not really worth talking about a lot. But there was one big name that I sort of alluded to earlier, and it's Zach Levine, which we're going to get to after the break, because uh, he's a guy that we did not talk about with Andrew. So I'm going to give you a little bit more uh, depth on my thoughts about Zach Levine and the potential there. But first, one more break here from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners over there Bet Online, have to be the number one source for everything you possibly need in the sports betting arena. That includes odds, futures, exotics, and much more. Find everything you need in sports betting from NBA playoffs, major league baseball scores and odds and all that fun stuff. They have fights. And even next season's NFL, college football, college basketball, futures, among other things, even the hockey playoffs right now as well. They have wall to wall coverage of everything you want in sports. And they have all the wager information across the board. That includes live betting. They have the playoff stuff live and in person also, they have esports and more. And while basketball and baseball are getting a lot of attention at this point in time and sporting calendar, all kinds of sports can catch the uh, spotlight at, at Bet Online. Bet Online also has you covered for golf and tennis, auto racing, horse racing. They have soccer, cricket, hockey, entertainment bets, and any sport you can possibly think of. They have ping pong, uh, you know, all the auto racing you want. F one's popular these days. It's all available for you at Bet Online. Head there right now at Bet Online on a computer mobile device to learn all about the trends and the action in the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. And as I said before the break, uh, Zach Levine is now a popular topic. He already kind of was in some respects, not really necessarily as popular on Twitter as guys like Aiton or Donovan Mitchell have been or Shade Alexander, whoever else you want to say. But Levine got thrown out there by Jake. And that means uh, it's pretty interesting to talk about now. So what Jake wrote is the following. Atlanta has been mentioned by multiple league sources. there's, There's that phrasing again as a potential destination for Zach Levine. So, again, he's come up. But it felt like, as we'll get into in a second from Jake's reporting, that he was not going to be available probably with the way the Bulls played this year. They had a good season. He had a good season. They had DeRozan. They went. They sort of went all in with Vucevic, all that stuff. But uh, Jake wrote, I'm going to quote him again now, the premise that Zach Levine's contract expiration would swiftly result in a lucrative extension with Chicago has dissolved, sources told Bleacher to Report. However, the Bulls are still considered likely to retain Levine on the open market. So, Interesting sentiments there on both sides. It does seem pretty clear that the Bulls are the favorite still. They can offer him the most money, which is always important, and the most years. And Levine's not as, is not as young as guys like Mitchell or uh, or Eaton. He's, he's 27 years old. Um, last time, I promise. But the multiple league sources saying that Atlanta is, quote, a potential destination, does not really mean anything. That's kind of just like people talking. Uh, that's not Jake reporting that. He's obviously passing it along, but that is a very, very, very soft language. So uh, this does not qualify for me as a full-fledged Hawks want Zach Levine rumor. We're not quite to that point, and I've sort of asked around. I couldn't really get traction for the people that I think uh, that know things, let's just say. Uh, I didn't really get the feeling that the Hawks were like, you know, all in on Zach Levine. Let's just say that. It, that could change. It's May 24th as I'm recording this, but worth noting. Now as for the Hawks and the fit, I'll add a couple more like you know analysis points here because we didn't talk about him with Andrew. So he's 27 in March. Uh, so he just, sorry, just turned 27. He'll be 28 next March. Um, sort of in his late prime for his next deal. He is a free agent, by the way, and unlike eight he's unrestricted. So he could just leave at any moment that he wants to, uh, as of July 1st, uh, he's come a long way as a player for sure. Uh, which I'll come back to a few times, but uh, Levine was a guy who was sort of a, uh, an empty calories guy early in his career in my mind, but he's definitely gotten a lot better, a lot more efficient, better defender than he used to be, et cetera. There are some injury questions, some durability questions. Last six seasons, he's averaged 53 games a year. Now, a couple of those seasons were limited non 82 game seasons, but he's definitely missed, you know, that 20 to 25 games per season, uh, mark the last six years, which is certainly not what you want. Ideally in your, for the Hawks to be a second best player, obviously. um, he also has a a current knee issue. He's gonna have a scope in the offseason on some level. It seems like it's not serious, but anytime you have a guy who's athletic and has been jumping and running a lot and for a long time and knee stuff, he was sort of uh, hampered by it during the season. This year, it's a question. I'm not saying it's a it's a panic thing, but certainly not a uh, not a not what you want to see from a guy who's 27 to 28 pretty soon contractually uh levine is almost certainly going to be getting a full max contract from whoever whether it's a four or five year deal from the bulls four year deal from somebody else it's a lot of money obviously he might get a player option as well but he's a star level player um i will say though the hawks cannot just sign him they don't have the cap space as we talked about before they are way over the cap and in the luxury tax at this moment in time so it has to be a sign and trade um generally speaking this goes for the eight in pursuit as well sign and trade's usually do not yield fantastic returns for the team that's sending the player out because they're just trying to get something back. Um, the leverage point is not super high there. So if you see a rumor about the Hawks trading like five assets for Zach Levine, that's not going to be what it takes most likely because it would require Levine wanting to go to Atlanta uh, and also the Bulls realizing that he's going to leave and try to get something back. It won't be full price. It usually is not. In fact, I can kind of like one hand how many sign trades have been full price returns in the last, I don't know, decade plus for anybody in the entire NBA. So, uh, generally speaking, you know, I think Levine is a better player than Aiton right now. It's not it's not a one-to-one comparison, uh, but it's just one of those things. Now, um, I, I do think that he checks a box with his scoring. That's a much bigger concern than what Aiton uh, will be doing at center to upgrade. But he's, he's four years older. There's more downside risk there between age and injury and defense, etc. Offensively, though, Levine is awesome. Uh, He made it clearly the last three or four years in Chicago. Last three seasons, he's averaged 26 points a game, 48% from the floor, 40% from three, 84% from the the line. He's an elite shooter, 60% true shooting over three seasons with 30% usage is, that's star level stuff. Now, he's not a top 10 player, not a top 20 player, probably for me, but he's certainly in that top 30-ish kind of group. He's not as good as Trey, but he's a lot better than what the Hawks have now. Even if you're the biggest John Collins fan, Levine's a better player, just very clearly. So, all that said, like he's a solid enough passer as well, somebody who could play on the ball a little bit, but certainly very comfortable working off the ball as a, as a shooter, spacer, can finish around the rim with his length and his uh, obviously a former dunk champion, all that stuff. Without going crazy deep into the fit, he would be a great fit with Trey offensively for sure, handling the scoring low when Trey leaves the floor, uh, playing off of him as well. Um, would immediately be the best backcourt in the league offensively, uh, I think pretty comfortably because of how good Trey already is and Levine's really good as well. Uh, defensively would be a question. I saw people sort of equating him and Mitchell as defenders. Uh, I've long said that Mitchell's Donovan Mitchell's very bad defensively. I think Levine is also pretty bad, but also better than Mitchell. I think he's come a long way now, four years ago, three years ago, even, I would have said Levine was terrible defensively. And he was, Um, he's got more size and he's got more um, sort of off ball defensive stuff, um, more juice, more athleticism, all that stuff. than than a guy like Mitchell, who's too small. Um, So All that said, like, he is not a good defender. You could say there's varying levels of negative. He's not as bad as Trey. He's not as bad as some of those other guys. He's got he's got all this all this sort of uh, physical tools. And maybe you would think that if he's playing the number two role, clearly to someone like Trey, maybe he can defend a little bit better. Um, for example, EPM, a trusted match, they had him as like the 40th percentile defender this year, which is below average but not terrible. Um, Raptor was worse than that. Just to be fair, um, still a bad defender, but not someone who is quite as bad as some of the other sort of nuclear defensive options. It would be a problem on some level. They have to scheme around it at the same time because the offense would be so interesting. There's some trade off there in the playoffs. Would it be hard to hide both of them at the same time? Yes, it would be, but uh, you know, none of these guys are perfect. Unless you're trading for the guys that are not available. So all that said, I think it would be a fit that would work. The questions would be though, in in some order, uh, defense, age and knee issues. Those are the three ones. And, not, and age right now is not really a problem. But if you're gonna give him a four-year contract, by the end of it, age 38, 31, he might not be quite the same guy. And you're paying him in lots of money um, to pay, to be the max. Now that's part of the deal in the NBA. You got to pay for what you have now and uh, sort of deal with it down the line. So overall though, I would be intrigued by Levine. I think it'd be a very aggressive move from the Hawks in the short term, because realistically, again, he's probably going to be worse two years from now than he is now. Um, it, 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 I, I say probably it's not definitely he's, but, most likely probably going to be worse, but not necessarily the case, but he's a better fit than someone like Mitchell in my mind, pretty clearly. And at least to me, he brings a higher ceiling to the table than um, some of the Gobert or Aiton proposals. Like those guys are really good players and they're better than what the Hawks have. But um, for me, I think the Hawks path to, um, you know, title contention success probably is not going to be just like getting a rim running center. And I think Aiton's a little bit better than offensively, but I think that, and obviously defensively, those guys would be pretty good, but, in terms of just like ceiling, if you could turn a couple assets into Zach Levine, I think your ceiling is probably higher than if you're doing the same kind of thing to upgrade from Capella to someone like Aiton or someone like O'Bear. So all that said, it's all about nuance and all about what, what the trade would be, what the, deal, what the deal would look like. We don't know that stuff yet, but that's my overall, my overarching thought on Levine at this point in time, because I did not talk about him on the podcast with Andrew Kelly. So a busy day. I will once again stress before we get out of here. There is nothing that I would say has risen anywhere close to the level of an actual rumor about the Atlanta Hawks right now. Now, Jake is very smart and plugged in, but everything that he passed along uh, on the individual players is not really rumor stuff. It's more like the Hawks might be interested in these guys, which makes sense. Um, The one thing that he did kind of report more firmly was the thing about the Hawks prioritizing the perimeter. I do believe that. I've heard the same, so that does not surprise me at all, but uh, we're not quite to full rumor mode at this point in time but listen there's still four weeks till the draft there's a long way to go here before anything's probably going to happen so keep 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 the faith if you're a Hawks fan I know Hawks fans love talking about stuff and I I totally get it but uh yeah that's where we are right now hopefully uh fake trade stuff will be a little bit on the back burner for for a little while longer as the draft approaches but we'll still be here if there's any real rumors I'll definitely get into the mix and talk about them but um at the end of the day a busy Tuesday into Wednesday for the Hawks on some level with Trey making a bunch more money getting a big time league honor and then also some trade stuff at the end of the podcast so Please subscribe to this show um, on any podcast platform that you prefer, but certainly including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube especially. If you're listening to this on audio-only feed, it does not hurt you in any way to subscribe on YouTube. Um, That's definitely helpful to grow the product in some form or fashion. You can also look at me on screen. My apologies for that if you're watching on YouTube channel right now but also leave five-star reviews. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. We'll have at least one more show this week, maybe even two, but certainly at least one. I have a couple more that are banked and the next week will be sort of the same thing with Memorial Day and uh, some travel for me. So be flexible. I'll probably have to schedule some stuff out. So hopefully no huge breaking news, but uh, be, be patient with me and uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time.